0: Hello, and welcome to the Midlife Thesis Podcast. I'm your host, Dieter Schwartz. In this episode, I'm joined by Michelle Giger, the original Devil's Advocate on Twitter. Michelle's a science teacher, and together with her husband, she also owns a small farm, all the while trying to raise four kids. Buckle up and enjoy the ride as two people that are passionate about agriculture share a little bit about who we really are. Enjoy the ride. All right. Well, welcome to the Midlife Thesis Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, no problem. Love to be here.
0: So we uh, we touched on the what you do part in the intro. And as you mentioned in, in one of your tweets, um, kind of the, um, the gist of this podcast really uh, resonated with you in terms of the okay we talk about uh what we do but who are we um and uh you know maybe uh want to start there on uh on this uh podcast just to uh, maybe get right into uh why you feel that resonated with you and uh, yeah um in terms of why um that spoke to you in the very first episode of this podcast that uh just uh just came out last week
1: okay um so i was listening to the podcast and and they were, you were mentioning that we often talked about what we do but not who we are and that really did resonate with me because um you know i am a teacher and i and i farm also and i used to be an agriculture teacher and when i was an agriculture teacher i thought that was very special and it became my life and i thought it was like it's i thought it made me like a special kind of teacher and like people should look at me like i was you know elevated above them i don't know why and mm. then it took me years to realize like that was what i did it was not who i am per se there's a lot more to me than just being an agriculture teacher or a farmer um there's things i enjoy doing and there's things i enjoy Studying about, for example, that really don't go along with, you know, the life in agriculture. And it got me really thinking in this last week, since I, I tweeted that to you and we talked about maybe on the podcast, is who am I? And in a strange way, I got to thinking about, like, in some ways, I've even forgotten who I am between the last 20 years of working, farming and having kids. And so I've really been kind of thinking about this a lot the last week.
0: You know, it's, it's it's interesting you say that because, as you can imagine, I've had a few conversations uh, since kind of releasing that first episode uh, with potential future guests and 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 friends and and um, I, I think and you know they they asked me, well, why why podcasting? I mean, uh, you know, like you, I work in agriculture day in and day out, and um, but uh, I kind of thought, well. You know, there's a lot more about me than just working in agriculture and and being in that box. And so I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to have a conversation about that whole discovery of who we are? And it really resonated with a lot of people. That then, you know, spent all, <laughs> probably the last week kind of going, yeah, how would I answer that question? You know, who who am I? What defines me? What what? what else am I interested in? And, and uh, boy, if, uh, if I didn't have this, you know, nine to five, who would I be? So I, I think it resonates with a lot of people, that whole question. And, and uh, you know, it's not a trick question, but I think some people, um, I don't know if want to use the word struggle, but certainly it takes them a while to, uh, to come up with the answer. So, yeah.
1: I think it's definitely hard to answer because you spend so much of your life when you get to our age taking care of other people and other things that you forget about yourself and the things that made you, you kind of fade into the background.
0: That is so true. Um, and uh, you know, I think, I think, I don't know, some people call it uh, going through the motions. Um, some people call it almost, uh, you know, being on autopilot mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I was called out a little bit, uh, uh, what I said last week in terms of, um, you know, making, making this about a certain age bracket of people that, that, that experience this. And, uh, you know, I was very careful about uh, not limiting my podcast to a certain, um, certain demographic. Um, and yet, you know, I called it the midlife thesis, which, um you know i'll be honest i I maybe uh, even myself took some liberty as to what midlife is but uh it's meant to be a pretty broad definition um to be really honest and and it it comes with a little bit of experience in in you know in uh life experience to arrive at this this place (laughs) we call midlife but boy it can sure you know cover a large span i think and and uh i think what unites us all is all of a sudden we arrive at this this juncture in life that we kind of go huh well that was interesting now what (laughs) yeah
1: well it's kind of funny you mentioned that because my son the other day you know he's 15 years old going on 80 and uh, (laughs) he was the other day we were talking he's like i'm halfway to 30 mom and and i don't have my act together i'm like yeah, no kidding. But it's not like you're having your midlife crisis. He's like, I feel like it. I'm like, it's more like your sixth or eighth life crisis. So don't worry, you got time.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, somehow I, I missed out on the uh, on the well. Although with you know with what's going on now, I'm growing my hair out again, and the mullet's coming back. But you know, I don't have the uh, <laughs> I don't have the uh, the solar panel ponytail and convertible uh, midlife crisis. So I think I kind of missed out on that, Um, but, but who knows? I mean, yeah. And there's, there's lots of time for, uh, you know, for, for thinking through life a little deeper, but um, so, so tell me a little more about, you know, you, you were talking about, uh, and of course I'm keenly interested in your, in your egg portion. Um, And, and I was trying to think back as to when you and I first connected, and it may have been over the infamous corn cob oh, um, post, uh, and I was trying to go back through. I think that was 2015. And um, you know, you've had a few other, uh, uh, I guess, infamous moments um, that you're <laughs> that you're known for. Is that the right way to put it?
1: Yeah, infamous is a very good word.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's it's interesting some of the things that that we feel define us, but. But maybe go go into that, uh, I'd like to, uh, you know, because I think we share that agricultural part. So maybe if you can go a little, little deeper there as to kind of moving away from that. And I don't know, uh, I was going to say, like, was there a, a sense of loss or a sense of, um, you know, I don't want to leave this behind?
1: can you rephrase the question? Cause I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around it at the moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, you, 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 talked about, um, when, when you change from, or when your identity changed from, you know, being an ag teacher oh, okay. to, to something else. And, um, I guess I, the question I had is, you know, was that a bit of a sense of loss or, or how was that, you know, how did that impact you?
1: Well, I was an agriculture for teacher agriculture teacher for 10 years in California and as I said I loved it. I loved every minute of it. it, it became my life and um, mm. you know I would spend a lot of time at work and during the summer doing my summer contract constantly helping students raise pigs, goats, sheep. Um, and then what started happening is I had children and you know the first child came and I could still do my job, But people I noticed were not a little bit understanding of my personal time. And then I had two children and they were the load on me became even more. Um, But it wasn't until I had my twins. So I had four kids under five years old that I really realized that I was replaceable.
0: Um, so, okay, as 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 one of our mutual friends would say, whoa, 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 <laughs> go back a minute. <laughs> did you say, did you say four kids under five years old?
1: Yes, I had a four year old son, a two year old daughter, and then I had twins, and so a lot of kids, all okay. toddler to baby. So I was going insane, <laughs> and uh, and um, you know, I was amongst the first group of female ag teachers like you know female ag teachers had been around for a while but um, when i was a female ag teacher I was still a male dominated workforce and now if you look at california ag teachers it's like 90% females but it was i was the first wow. so first female ag teacher ever in my district and i remember when i got pregnant they're like oh she's done you know and like they talked about like they there were a board member who like threw around the idea of having me fired because i was pregnant which was highly illegal And, um, wow. Yeah. And and, and so, so when I had four kids, um, I realized I was replaceable. And I also realized, you know, my personal time was not really respected. I was expected to just drop everything at the drop of a hat and go out and take care of an emergency or be at a community event or be at some funeral for someone I never knew, but they were a big farmer in the area. So I should be there as the ag teacher representative. And then Oh really? Oh yeah. They they were the community was very demanding of you. And so um, after the twins were born, when they were about three months old, they both got sick with RSV. And my youngest Rosalind, um, who uh, she almost died. And so I was oh, my the, goodness. I was in the PICU or NICU PICU with her for a week and I missed an event. And my other, act, I was in a four-person department, so it should have been no big deal for me to miss it. My coworkers were great. They covered for me. But there were people mad that I was not at this event and that I was at the hospital instead with my child. And that was such an eye-opening event for me that I loved my job. I loved teaching these kids. I loved showing these kids about agriculture. But in the same token, you know, there was no boundaries of respecting my life. And so... After that, I taught ag for one more year, but that last year was a slow decline in realizing that this no longer was for me because it was taking away from my personal life and my family. And at the same time, um, I, I was still married to my first husband. He he farms in California, and his farm was in the middle of a lawsuit, and so oh, wow. that was just extra stress on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. So at the end of my ninth year in California teaching agriculture, um, we'd had enough of California, and we decided to move up to Oregon, where he got a job managing a farm up here, and I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. And I had a little bit of regret as I left that life behind because I let it become so much of who I am. Um, But with everything else that was going on, there was actually a little bit of relief, too of leaving it all behind because it had become such a point of stress and contention. And then, um, so when I got up here, it was a little bit of refining myself and what do I do outside of my career? I'm now a stay at home mom, which on a side note, I failed miserably at that. (laughs) I only was a stay at home mom for a year. Um, you know,
0: It's not an easy gig.
1: <laughs> it is not, man. The the I am such envy of the moms who can do it, but I was going stir crazy, and I was, you know, I was like that mom that's on a, you know, on on a sitcom. As soon as the husband gets home, like hair frazzled, I need adult time <laughs> to talk to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I, in full disclosure, I uh, I tried to stay at home, dad, for a while, and uh, that was interesting. Um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I mean, without going into any of the, um, political and, 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 and social aspects of that whole thing. Uh, and I certainly didn't have four kids to, uh, to deal with, which, you know, that would have been four times as much. I just had mm-hmm. one. Um, but yeah, certainly, I mean, that really makes you question as to, you know, who am I? What am I? <laughs> yeah. how, how did I get here? and. um the adult time is really interesting because, you know, and maybe, I don't know, maybe even back then, you know, it, it was the catalyst for having these type of conversations where I, I didn't know how to answer the, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, because and I'd like to think it's better now in terms of the stay at home parent, I guess we'll, we'll call it gender neutral. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think it's better, but there's certainly, you know, there, there was a time where there was some stigma associated with it. And, uh, I, I hope we're going to get beyond that because man, it is not easy, but, um, yeah, carry on. Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's okay. Oh, I get it. Is Being a stay at home parent is a whole different ballgame. You're just constantly at the whim of little people with no patience and, uh,
0: <laughs> but, yeah, very rare. true and,
1: and go back you know, I just want to reiterate that I, I loved my job as an agriculture teacher but I could see why it has such a high turnover rate especially amongst females is because it's just expected to be so much of your life there's a lot of positives with it the relationships you get with these students you know going to contests doing livestock shows it's wonderful but it, it almost unless it the whole culture of ag education changes they're going to have a hard time keeping young ag teachers but going into that next year as being a stay-at-home parent that was that was another year of finding myself while i wasn't working i did have some downtime and i started doing some stuff that were not work related or related to my kids and one of the things i took up at the time was marathon training so i ran a few wow. marathons and you know that was cool about running for marathons Or training for marathons was the amount of time you had to yourself to think and that was pretty awesome and i probably wasted a lot of that thinking time like thinking about things in my past that i could have done differently (laughs) or (laughs) things that made me upset (laughs)
0: lots (laughs) of navel gazing
1: things that you'd how you'd wish they would have turned out but you know on a 10 15 20 mile training run you got a lot of thinking and a lot of problem solving done and it became you know, a way for me to work through a lot of the problems I was facing because, you know, I was in a, a, a difficult marriage by that point, And we were struggling up here just as much as we were struggling in California. You know, your problems always find you wherever you are. And, um, and the other thing I got really interested was uh, researching genealogy and where my family came from, which we kind of alluded to a little bit in the conversation earlier. Mm-hmm. I finally had time to, like, find out what made me me. 'Cause um, you know, it's a family legend. Um, I am descended from I'm supposedly, according to family lore, descended from a guy named Robert the Bruce, who was a king of Scotland. But it was wow. like, it was a bastard relationship. It was supposedly like <laughs> the chambermaid. And so like, you know, this family the stories have passed on generations through my family. So I started researching a lot of my Scottish history and uh finding out that it might be true. Apparently he had a lot of pastor children. And there's even a list in Scotland I can get on to claim my uh line in the throne if they ever get that back.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um I I had a uh, had a friend that uh is of Scottish heritage as well and uh, we have a we have an event here that that's called Folklorama it's essentially a you know an event where you have pavilions and (laughs) glorified beer tents for lack of better words um, from all the different um, I guess places that that people come from uh, in our city and um, so we ended up going to the Scottish pavilion and my friend of Scottish heritage um kind of explained uh, his bloodline and his last name and they put it in the computer and and uh and the lady behind the computer kinda looked at him and said, Wow, this is very interesting. And he says, Am I, you know, am I from royal descent? And she goes, No, scoundrels, rogues, and sheep buggers <laughs> she, <had laughs> awesome. she had the she had Scottish accent to go with it. So it was uh it was quite interesting. And um so yeah, Scottish heritage is uh, has a lot of uh, colorful history.
1: There's a lot of colorful history. I went to a few Scottish games. I, I still like going to those, but there's so I live at, way out in the boonies. I mean, people don't. Uh, Eastern Oregon really is in the middle of nowhere. So it's like you're four hours from the nearest city. And uh, so I've gone to a few Scottish games. They're really funny, like you know how people are in the United States thousands of miles away from the actual country probably have never been there but they've still hold on to the feuds between clans and it, it's it's hilarious to watch at least <laughs> those
0: great so um your your comment on the uh you know 10 15 20 mile runs and and you're like no one was chasing you right no one
1: was chasing me. I think I had a few creepers come up. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but it reminded me of, uh, you know, I spent, uh, speaking of ag background, I spent a lot of time in tractors as a teenager. Um, and my father was, uh, you know, not of Scottish heritage, but certainly frugal or very determined that our young minds would not get uh, tarnished with uh, whatever the radio would bring us long story short we uh we had no radio and uh lots of tractor time and um i really hated it as a teenager because i needed my music wherever i went um but now i find myself driving along I, I, I do a lot of driving in my current uh job and uh i i like that alone time now um to a point i think you can uh you can overthink things certainly but uh it's great to be able to work through some uh, issues on your mind, I guess, on, on long drives. I certainly I certainly missed that in the last, uh, oh, I don't know how many weeks it's been now, four or five weeks. So yeah, yeah. It
1: reminds me when I was a kid, my mom, like, you know, I she was a teacher and she taught two towns away. So she took me to school with her instead of having me go to school in the town we lived in. And so at the end of the day, like, I'd go to turn on the radio and she'd be like, no. You know, and she like forcefully turned it off. Like, you're not going to listen to the radio. And I, and I, at that age, I, I was, I thought she was crazy. And I'm like, wow, how could he not like music? But now, man, I get off work and all I want is silence. And if my kids try to turn on the radio, like slapping their hands away. <laughs> it
0: it becomes it, that
1: quiet time.
0: <laughs> it becomes like the scene of Footloose where uh, the preacher turns off the music. Exactly. Um,
1: yeah, they just think I'm crazy. <laughs>
0: Uh, so the um, I guess the other thing I wanted to touch on Michelle was you're you're in a in another role now um, and you've had a really I guess to me I guess maybe back up to the ag teacher uh, let's let's finish fleshing that out a little bit because mm-hmm. um, to me that's a fascinating position uh, one that's kind of I would say foreign to, to some people, um, but what really interested me in what you just said is um, the need for community involvement. Um, that is something you know that I don't know. I, I keep using the word foreign, but um, you know, when I think of our, our teachers, uh, certainly you know, I'm currently living in a city, grew up in a in a small town. You know, we. We expected our teachers to be out and about in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we certainly hoped they would help even, you know, coach uh, some sports teams, uh, maybe help out with band practice and, and some other things. But, wow, to, to expect, you know, evenings and weekends at, at different agricultural events, that's, that's really involved in the community. So, so tell me more about, like, the expectations around that and, and kind of how you managed through that.
1: Well, so as an agriculture teacher in California, um, you have contract for extended time, at least when I was there. I know some have changed it. And so I was supposed to do an extra 20% of work. Uh, so, you know, that that balanced out to working summer and maybe like an extra hour a day, which you would automatically fill up with like FFA meetings and team practice. I coached a parliamentary procedure team that went to fourth place in the state, Um, we were nationally ranked at one point. Um, I had the top, the top fourth chair in the state of California back in 2007 or six. And so we did really well. And I also coached a livestock judging team and a, um, and a vegetable judging team. And, uh, so a lot of days after school, I'd have one practice after the other, and it would also go into the weekends and it was really enjoyable teaching kids how to properly score, livestock courses and how to identify good vegetables. And, uh, and actually I have students who ended up getting careers based off of that contest alone. And um, then you would also have uh, just like your, your fundraisers, your community events. Like I started something in one school I taught with called, uh, called the Halloween hoedown and we did a free haunted house and just like this whole theme park within the school for little kids for free as a way to celebrate Halloween. And so those kind of events, they only last for two hours, but they take a month of planning and building and putting together a haunted house is so much work. And so it's the time involvement of just doing these little events as standalone. We had a huge pancake feed. We did every year. We had a huge tri-tip feed. We had a, uh, we had a steak and lobster feed. And so all these different events that were a lot of fun, they just took full years of work at planning and they were also fundraisers. And then on top of that, if you know, community agriculture events that weren't necessarily related to the school, you were kind of expected to make an appearance at and bring a few FFA officers to show them off and have a kind of essentially a dog and pony show. So it became a lot of time uh, throughout the year. And at first when I first started, I had no children. It was easy. You know, I, I had nothing better to do, but as I started having kids, I needed to have things scheduled out. And, um, by the time you have four of them trying to schedule anything is impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you take a schedule and you might as well rip it up and laugh.
0: Wow. So, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm hearing and, and maybe I'm projecting myself into your experience a little bit is, um, you know, it 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 sounds it sounded like that was a lot of hard work, mm-hmm. um, but it also, you know, getting back to kind of this whole discussion about uh, who you are, that really became your identity um, in the community. It sounds like, in terms of, um, oh, here's here's Michelle the the ag teachers. Am I under like am I seeing that right?
1: Yes, and that's who I. And it was almost like you're kind of property too. Not even just like, that's your personality. You're the oh. town's ag teacher. And this is a very small rural California town I was in. So mm-hmm. you became the prop. And if you did something wrong, the whole town knew about it right away. <laughs> and that ag- is, my-
0: <laughs> That's the beauty of small towns. <laughs>
1: my husband at the time, like, he's like, you might as well be the mayor. He's like, you're expected to be at everything. Um, everyone knows what's in our business and you it, like everyone looks to you to run a run a community event and I'm like yeah you know I'm essentially the mayor of this town I guess and so it, it was a it was a big deal and um, I did teach at two different high schools the first one was that very small one I alluded to and the second one was where I was in a four-person department and so we were able to divvy up jobs easier but again the pressure to be at everything was still there and also the pressure to like be the best at everything and to constantly be winning.
0: I was just, you know, just as you were saying that I, you know, with that much of a, you know, community spotlight on you um, the pressure to excel and to, to never, you know, don't let them see you sweat to, to use that uh, line, you know, that, that you, you've got it all covered and uh, you know, all eyes are on you. Um, That had to be a lot of pressure, and and I I'm wondering, um, you know, whether the successes that you had, because it sounds like you you did really well at at what you were doing. Um, And I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it. You know, I don't want to say it. it, It's almost addictive to, uh, to, to. You know that that sounds. That doesn't sound very good to say. No, it was
1: addicting. The attention, the expectations in a way were addicting because it made you feel good about yourself. And yeah, you know, because ag teachers are rare. It is, it's not a program that's in every single school. You start to feel like this does make me special because it is so rare and this is what we're doing. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, like uh, in other ways, it did kind of mess with my self-confidence because Uh, there's a lot of clicks. There were a lot of clicks at the time amongst ag teachers in the state and who, you know, was kind of how far you went in the state association of ag teachers. And so it had its own like hierarchy built inside of it. I don't think a lot of people outside of ag understand, or even within ag understand is like, there's ag teacher organizations where, you know, you can move up in leadership and a lot of it is based on who, you know, and whose program you went through. And, you know, I wasn't able to go through an ag program in a high school because I was from a uh, San Francisco Bay area and my program closed down. So I was coming in as an outsider and, you know, and in some ways, you know, it could also be detrimental to your, to your mental health. Cause on one side, you're feeling like you're doing all these great things, but on the other side, you were kind of like, you know, ostracized for not being part of the cool crowd.
0: I, I I'm just, I, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, you know, clearly it's hard to tell, uh, with audio that I'm, I'm, I'm virtually speechless. Cause I, I'm just, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a world that's, that's somewhat foreign to me. I have to be honest. And, and I, you know, I shamefully admit that sadly a lot of our ag education in this country, um, you know, is, is few and far between. And I, I'm not aware of any even agricultural course that exists anywhere anymore. Um, you know, and we're trying very hard as people, in the industry to bring some ag education back into into schools uh, at all levels uh, including you know human ecology courses where you know everybody is is having a great time trying to figure out how to make sourdough and and what fermentation is all about so um it, uh, it it's just i i'm yeah i'm sitting here and and, and you're putting so many things together you know, the clickiness of things. Um, it
1: was a juggling act. You know, and, cause, cause
0: and, act and you're really cool. There's
1: three parts. There's the classroom. There's FFA, which is leadership. And then there's SAE, which is projects, which is like the county fair, raising livestock. So it, it's definitely about juggling act where you got all these balls in the air and you're trying to make sure that none of them fall. And as soon as one of them falls, someone's pointing their thumb laughing at you or your, their finger laughing at you. And uh, it was a lot of pressure, but I loved it. And in a strange way, talking about it, like because I've been offered to go back on a few different occasions
0: because
1: mm. uh, every once in a while they're looking for an ag teacher in my town I live in now. And they they asked me last year if they could move me into the position. And I was like, no, not until after all my kids are graduated and moved out when I have time to be a slave again, <laughs> because right now my kids need me.
0: And, and that's, you know, the. I think that's a great place to arrive in life when you uh, when you finally get to that place where um, and I'm not I'm not saying, you know, you you didn't have this before. I'm I'm certainly don't mean to be judging, but um, it feels as a human being that you finally arrived at a place where you can kind of stand up for, um, you know, set boundaries and stand up for yourself Mm -hmm. and and to say, um, no, I'm good. Yeah. And, and sometimes, well, sometimes we need some financial stability to be able to say that without fear of, you know, losing our losing our job to be able to say, I guess, if I if I'm not working here, I'm still going to be able to put food on the table. So that pressure is not there. And the other part is just to have the um, the confidence to be able to say that. And then lastly, I think, you know, you touched on it. Am I willing to give this up? Am I willing to give up the prestige that that comes with this, the the title? Am, am I willing to go from the community ag teacher um, that people look towards to, rather than you know, putting on the uh, the haunted Halloween house, I'm now just a person that goes to the haunted Halloween oh. house. Um, so just, yeah.
1: Those transitions are always rough. Like I recently, about a year and a half ago, stepped down from my board board position on the Junior Livestock Show here. And uh, it's weird, like going from a leadership role where I help plan. You know, I'm still the auction chair, but as for the whole thing, I'm not on the board anymore. And it's weird showing up to the show and just being, you know, Johnny Citizen. I don't have to do anything. I'm not expected to be anywhere and um, and I think like when we talk about who I am, that's one of those things I, I have to be involved with things. That's who I am, and uh, taking a step back and not being involved is hard for me.
0: It 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 is an interesting transition, and and uh, you know one of the examples that I always love telling is uh, you know right out of university, um, you know within a few months, and I'm not saying this to brag. I, I think this just just happened because they needed. Um, they needed someone to manage other employees, so you know, literally early twenties, wet behind the ears, right out of school. I was put in charge of you know a person that was essentially my coworker, and that I was trying to learn from still because I had lots to learn. And um, so I became his manager. Uh, we then decided to, or I decided on on his coaching to join the local fire department. Of which he was the chief of, so we literally, you know, during the day, um, you know, we ran a kind of a custom spraying business at the time, and uh, during the day, I was telling him, you know, what to do and um, kind of, yeah, where to hook up the hose and those kind of things, and then, <laughs> and then in the evenings, if we went out on a fire call, uh, you know, he was telling me which which way to go and 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 I think, you know, he loved his job and he loved taking direction at work. Um, And he had the, you know, you, you mentioned mental health and, and, and the ability to, um, you know, have that, uh, that mind space left at the end of the day, where he could then take on a role of leading and, and directing and taking responsibility and something that he really enjoyed. Um, whereas at, by that time I was spent, I was done. I had nothing left mm-hmm. to give. And, and, uh, I was very happy to, uh, you know, to be told to roll up some hose or wash this or crawl through here or whatever direction the chief would give me. Yes, sir. Um, and it, it's interesting how, you know, sometimes in life, I think that's exactly what happens. Some people really apply themselves to work. And then have nothing left to give to their community or even their family. And others kind of do it the other way. And, and I think the challenge is finding what's right for you. I, I don't know if I have the answer, but.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to be more like your friend. Not give everything to everyone else at the expense of what I have here. And it's, it's been a slow process learning how to do that. And actually, this whole COVID shutdown, is, as much as it stresses me out, has been a great way for me to slow down and just spend time with my kids. And, and I don't know, maybe we're spending too much time together because every time I do a podcast or anything, I do it out in my truck in the driveway over by the barn because it's the quietest place on this, on this farm. And uh, what a great idea! Asked, how long are you going to be gone? <laughs> how long is this interview going to take? <laughs> Is it gonna be 45 minutes an hour I you cannot be gone that long mom I'm like okay I think you're spending too much time with me now I can walk away from you for a little while so
0: we yeah, <laughs> yeah it's interesting how we create uh kind of new you know we uh, we keep saying it's a new normal or it's going to be a new normal mm-hmm. um and wouldn't that be a great new normal if our if our kids uh love this time we're spending with them maybe not to the point where where they uh where they require us every minute of the uh, of the day but uh, yeah i've i've enjoyed going for our nightly walks and and all of a sudden conversations flow more freely uh we're talking about things that uh i maybe wasn't ready to talk to an 11 year old just yet <laughs> and here we are um so <laughs> so it uh Yeah, it's, it's, it has been good. And, and, and I hope, you know, I don't know if we're going to be able to keep up the slower pace necessarily, but I hope we retain some of the more connectedness. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though, you know, we're not seeing each other as much in person, there's way more, you know, conversations on the phone and on computers and, Um, You know, I've really just started going out to see customers again and and retailers and, and the conversations are deeper um, now than than they ever have been, even though we're socially more distant. Um, And uh, yeah, I hope we retain some of this for sure.
1: We kind of self isolated ourselves for so long, like on our own little islands where like no one in the community really talked to each other anymore. It was just the way society was going. And I almost think, like, the forced isolation started making us, like, want to rebel and start talking to people because, you know, I I can be a curmudgeon and, like, when I'm out in public, just want to get done. But I've been taking more time at Talking to the person checking me out at Safeway because you know that might be my only adult time until my husband gets over from work, and uh, it's back like being a stay-at-home mom again right now. <laughs> but at least the 15-year-old's a little bit wiser now. But yeah, it's I, I I've found a lot of benefit in just talking to people and getting to know them again, which I I'll self and I admit I lost in the last few years also.
0: You're so true. I, I found myself today becoming that, uh, that chatty guy that, uh, you know, about two months ago, I would just hate. Uh, so I struck up this conversation just with the, uh, with the lady at the grocery store because I literally have not been at <laughs> a grocery store for a month. And so today, you know, I, and I, I don't know who needed to talk more, her or, or me, but we struck up this conversation over, you know, a cart full of groceries. Um, that was deeper than I would have ever gone, you know, a month ago. And, uh, I I was the guy that just kept his head down. Didn't want to hold anybody up behind me. Certainly, you know, felt awkward talking to the cashier and, um, and now it's, yeah, it's friendlier. It's more neighborly because, oh, I, I've never met this lady before, but I I felt like I missed her. Like it was just strange.
1: (laughs) Oh, I get that.
0: So, yeah. So kind of. You know, we're at the we're at the point of this podcast where where I feel, you know, we uh, to kind of, you know, put a I was going to say put a bow on it um, to uh, to to wrap things up uh, with with some you know with some final thoughts, and you know, I I've certainly heard a lot of uh, things from you that uh, that is certainly going to make me think. Um, but one of the things that I do want to go back to a little bit was, you know, you mentioned, um, mental health and not, you know, I'm not bringing it up because it's, it's in Vogue or anything like that, but I honestly, uh, you know, I do think we don't talk about it enough. And, um, you know, what I heard from you going through all this and, and, and change and kids and, you know, just trying to get through another day was, was your resilience, um, so to, to kind of, I guess, um, try to encapsulate things that you said, what would you say kind of helped you through some of those transitions? And, you know, if I was going to say, if you, if you could do it over again, would you do anything different? Or, you know, how, how has this time kind of prepared you for what comes next? Where, where do you where do you see yourself five years from now or ten years from now? Like how has how this uh, time prepped you for the um, future beyond beyond teenagehood beyond the four <laughs> <poor> kids?
1: <laughs> well, you know, I, there, I've had a lot of changes in the last ten years of my life, like and you know, and I don't like I I, I let me phrase this like I try. I always afraid to mention, like, mental health stuff then because I don't want to seem like a bandwagoner or, like, you know, trying to me. Mm-hmm. But I've had a lot of tough hits over the last 10 years where I've gotten into some pretty dark places myself. And one of the things that's always gotten me through um, is exercise. So, like, I used to love to run. Now I'm into CrossFit. And also just spending time with my kids and doing sports with them like we are a softball family we're a sports family we we almost do every sport under the sun and just working athletically with my children has been a great relief for me um and just kind of helping them become well-rounded individuals in themselves um now i'm at the age where my youngest is 10 the twins are 10 i'm going to be an empty nester in about eight years and the great question of where i see myself in that time um hopefully i'll still be you know using exercise to get my mind uh in the right place when i need it and also mm-hmm. i hope that i get my farm back to running 100 percent. we've had a few years of hits with orchards aging out and dying and then we had a frost and some other things happening and um all my irrigation was stolen one year and oh, wow. turned out that's not covered by insurance <laughs> who would have thought yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and just kind of rebuilding um getting this place making money again and um in the next 10 years i hope i find myself getting to take those vacations i've never gotten to taken i want to go to scotland <laughs> um, i want to go back to ireland again i want to go to iceland all these places that i've only ever seen but i spent my whole life kind of doing things the right way you know graduating from college then getting married then having children instead of going go out and find who you are and so i think that's the biggest thing i want to do is get my farm established again and travel a lot with my with my husband jeff because we he is i never thought i'd find a person that is the exact same as i am but you know we have the cowboy viking scotland history loving (laughs) thing all wrapped in the one and it was just like you know, I don't know fate or anything that we finally found each other, but you know, I always joke, uh, you know, Rocket Raccoon ain't no no thing like me but me. I I always kind of identify with that and I finally found someone who's exactly the same way.
0: Oh, that's that's awesome to hear. Yeah, And that's a that's a great uh great story. Um and you know, just as you mentioned travel, I do wonder um, I mean I you know, the the time I've spent even just today driving, <laughs> my thinking time, um You know, I do wonder. You know how how are people going to live their life differently, and and are they going to change their priorities? And as much as we think, you know, travels kind of the travel industry is kind of decimated right now. You know, I I certainly um, will put a lot of priority on looking after myself from a mental health and and uh, you know exercise point of view, as well as just getting out to see more of the world. This this was a real wake-up call that it could all change and it felt like it changed overnight for us you know where we were going on about our lives and then it was very different the next morning it seemed like so
1: oh it was creepy I went to my classroom for the first time the other day and I still had a lab laid out on the lab tables there was a newspaper on my teaching desk that talked about COVID increase rates and it looked like and you could tell that everything was just left one day <laughs> and you know if someone wow. had come like a few hundred years in the future wanting to know what happened this civilization my classroom as it stands right now is the perfect time capsule that something huge happened one day and the people left
0: and the people left yeah and it uh and it was never to be the same again hopefully anyway um Wow. What a, what a great way to, uh, to, to wrap this podcast and, and to, to get you out of your truck and back with your family. <laughs> um, you know, re- Michelle really appreciated this and I, I, you know, certainly, um, you know, a couple of things you just said in the last five minutes, uh, you know, exercise, family, uh, athlete, family, um, boy, wouldn't it be great if more parents got involved with their kids sports? Um, you know, we, we always need more coaches or more people helping out with teams. And, um, you know, what a great way to spend more time with your kids and to get involved. But it's also good for you. And I really like how you uh, how you brought that in there, too. I mean, it's good for your health as well. So, uh, fantastic. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks <laughs> again, Michelle. Just, uh, just really appreciate it. Um, well, thank you for having me. And... Thank you for joining me on another episode of midlife thesis podcast i hope you found this entertaining educational and hopefully it made you think a little bit join me again next week don't forget to click like subscribe and by all means give me your comments love to hear from you thanks again for listening see you next time